Um, this morning, we're continuing our series on David in 3D, and I think a lot of us can relate to this guy, David. Um, I know Ira talked last week about the making of a hero and making of heroes, and, and David didn't start out that way. He started out as just like a shepherd hanging out in the field, watching the sheep and practicing pra- practicing his harp and just kind of hanging out with the Lord. And, um, and he had this epic day where he went to bring the provisions to his brothers and ended up defeating this massive giant of a man named Goliath. And then he just was thrust into the, high, into the spotlight. And um, he became a bit of a sensation in Israel. And during the course of this, the king of Israel, whose name was Saul, ended up kind of connecting with him and and put him in charge of several military operations. And the king's son, Jonathan, ended up connecting with him and became really good friends. And in this story, we're going to be talking today about something that, that impacts all of us. It affects every single person with whom we have had relationship or friendship or some kind of interaction. Anybody that has relationship with other people. So this would exclude people in solitary confinement. And that's it. <laughs> All of us, every single person, if you've been in relationship, you have experienced what is called betrayal. And you know, I started, I knew about a month ago I was going to talk about betrayal and I started to recognize like so many TV shows and movies and books and it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about betrayal and, and just start to start to pay attention this week to how often you hear that word and how often that concept comes up. As a matter of fact, there's a TV show called Betrayal. I don't know if any of you have watched it. I haven't, so I have no idea if I just made a reference to something that's nasty, so... I apologize if I did. But betrayal is everywhere. Everywhere. And it's one of the most painful things we can go through. Really. Because typically betrayal is birthed out of having a trust relationship with someone. And then they turn on you. Imagine this girl that Tommy was talking about. Her own mother sold her to a brothel. That's betrayal. That's some deep betrayal. And we're going to talk about what is betrayal? Why do people betray us? And then we're going to we're going to finish up next week by talking about what are the effects of betrayal on us as individuals? What does it do to us and how can we find healing and wholeness even after we've been betrayed? So um the the dictionary says that to betray means to give aid or information to the enemy. It means to deform or to inform or to deliver into the hands of someone in violation of a trust. It means to be false or disloyal. It means to divulge in a breach of confidence, like to betray a secret. And it means to make known unintentionally, like, oh, she betrayed, she betrayed her own feelings of disdain for that person by the look on her face or something. Um, and it means to lead astray or to deceive. And because of the fact that we've all encountered betrayal, we've all been hurt by betrayal, we've all been impacted by it in some form or another, um, it's so comforting to me. You know, I, I really only ever want the message to be a message that's hopeful for us. 
And so today we're just going to kind of dive in. We're going to acknowledge betrayal. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to get to the resolution, but hopefully the, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you, bringing to your mind things that he wants to root out, that the Lord wants to heal and wants to deliver you of. And we're going to have a time of prayer at the end to pray for you. Um, but if we believe that God is all-powerful and that God is in control of the universe, there are a lot of things in our life that will not make sense. Because, again, I, I, I say this probably every week, but his thoughts are not our thoughts, are they? His ways are not our ways. And there are times where we go through betrayal and we cannot understand how this can be reconciled, how this can be used for God's glory. But hopefully today, as we begin to walk through this story of Saul and David, we're going to start to see some hope in the midst of it. Um, and, And I remember a few years back, I went through a season of just extreme betrayal. Um, and I'm not saying this to have a pity party. I just, I had some really deep, deep, deep relationships that just totally just shunned me, just rejected me, just walked away from me. And I was really struggling in my own heart to, to find healing in the midst of that. And I just remember at one point, as I was just crying before the Lord, I was just like, Lord, I'm just so confused by this, and I'm so broken by this. And I remember the Lord just saying so clearly to me that he was despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and familiar with grief. It says of Jesus that that a prophetic word pointing toward Jesus that he was going to be as though... people would just see him and just turn their faces from him. And that's how I felt in my life. And it bred all kinds of just kind of unhealthiness until I saw it in the perspective of this. And I was like, Jesus, I can walk through this with you because you get it. You know what I'm going through. You know the pain and the devastation. And I started to see if Jesus is the guy that we follow, if Jesus is the God that we serve, We're going to go through similar things, but it says that we share in the sufferings, but also in the power of his resurrection. And that's our hope. And that's where we want to to move toward today. Um, You know, we can be betrayed by a lot of different relationships, by authority figures. How many of us have been hurt, shocked, surprised by authority figures in our lives, by friends? by our spouses, by family. And I know this one might not seem theologically accurate to say this, um, but there have been a lot of circumstances that that I've heard from several people that they feel betrayed by God that they feel like they've done everything they needed to do or they've, they've lived the way they were supposed to live and God hasn't heard their prayer and God hasn't delivered them and answered them in the way that they wanted or in the, the timely manner that they had hoped. And so people feel betrayed by God. Now, you can't actually be betrayed by God because he's perfect, but we do struggle sometimes with feelings of, God let me down, God betrayed me. And there was an article in Psychology Today In June uh, 2012, it says, A betrayal is a broken agreement, implicit or explicit, that is considered vital to the integrity of a relationship. 
The capacity of a relationship to recover from a betrayal has a lot to do with the responses. Now get this. Particularly on the part of the betrayer to the situation. The more open and non-defensive they are, the more likely it is that there will be resolution. And so today, as we talk about why is it that people betray, I want you to understand God can be speaking to you from one of two sides. Either he's going to be speaking to you as the betrayer or he's going to be speaking to you as the betrayed. And maybe both, probably both, realistically speaking. So what are some reasons? Why, what causes people to betray us? What causes people that we, that we love and we give our hearts to and we, we spend time with and we just, we just love and adore them? People that we would, we would give up our cup of coffee for them. I mean, it's deep. <laughs> what causes those people to betray us? What causes anyone to betray? What causes us to betray? Um, as we get into the story, I want to just say this. Keep this in mind. In 1 Samuel 18.5, it says, Whatever Saul gave David to do. Remember, Saul had given David charge over a lot of the armies, a lot of, of the military efforts. It says, Whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it, and he did it well. So I want you to keep this in mind as we're talking about this story that, that sometimes people will betray us even when we don't deserve it. Sometimes people will mistreat us even when we're doing what's right. Because our master, our king, our Lord was himself despised and rejected. But yet when we follow his example, we're going to see how David is a, is a type of a... Um, model of Christ in that, in the way that he dealt with Saul. So what causes people to betray others? Um, So the story here, so they had gone out to this battle and David was pretty epic. He was a pretty amazing soldier. And so they went out into this battle and David did what David did. He, he slaughtered tens of thousands of the enemies. And so when they came back, it says um, in 1 Samuel 18, starting with verse 6. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet with King Saul, with tambourines, songs of joy, and musical instruments. And the women, the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down thousands, and David his ten thousands. Now, check out Saul's response. It says, Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. And he said, we have ascri- they have ascribed David ten thousands? And to me only thousands? What more can he have but the kingdom? And it says, and Saul eyed David from that day on. He was looking out. And what's so weird about this is that later on in this story, Saul's saying that he is going to give his daughter to David. And it's really actually a plot because he wants to kill David, because he gets so intensely angry, and, and he hates David so much that he sets up this plot that he wants to use to kill David, which is, interestingly, remember what David did in the story of Uriah with Bathsheba. But we're not going to talk about that today, but I just found that to be very interesting that Saul had planned to kill David by using his wife and then setting up this whole militaristic effort. So what happens is, Saul's ticked, and then he starts the whole time getting super paranoid. Because 
David actually says to Saul when he offers him his daughter, he goes, who am I that I could even be the son-in-law of the king? You know, David had no aspirations to become the king. That wasn't what was in his heart. That was what was in Saul's heart. That was Saul's paranoia. And that's the number one point of something that causes people to betray. It's jealousy and envy. Saul was jealous and envious of what God was doing in David and and what was happening because Saul's heart had turned away from the Lord. David's heart, remember, he was the man after God's own heart. He was a man of repentance and humility. And it says in 1 Samuel 18, it says, everything David did turned out well. There's our hope. Even in the midst of betrayal, as we just continue to put our hope in God. It says, everything turned out well. God was with him. And as Saul saw David becoming more successful, he himself grew more fearful. See, it was his insecurity, his jealousy, his envy, because ultimately, isn't envy and jealousy really rooted in our own insecurity and feeling like we want something and we can't have it? And what happened, what's happening in this situation is Saul is so focused on David and his paranoia that he's forgetting his own place. He's forgetting his own role and his own life. And he forgot that God had originally called him to be the king. And when we forget our place and our life because we're so focused on being jealous of someone else, we lose out on what the Lord wants to do in us and through us because we're so focused. You know, God made you, you, even before he made you, right? And he made you with specific plans and purposes that he wants to live through you. But if you're so focused on someone else and the plan that God has has prepared for them or being jealous or envious, you're gonna miss out on, on the glorious thing God wants to do in and through you because that's his promise, and if our ambition is, is self-promotion, it's contrary to what Jesus taught. Remember, Jesus said that we should, we should consider others better than ourselves. Actually, Jesus didn't say that, but the principle is the same, that we should be the servant of all. The greatest among you should be the servant of all, right? We should always prefer others and, and try to elevate others. And as we try to elevate others and move them into their, their role and their position, what God has created them for, we will begin to see what God's plan is for us. You know, that's, oh, we don't have it up on the wall anymore. We say that, that we want people to grow their lives and impact their world and live their dream. And if that's what we're set on and determined to do, we're going to begin to grow our own lives and impact our own worlds and live our own dreams. You know, my, my husband uh, passed away two years ago, and um, I, I want to write a book about him called He Said Yes. Because really, that, that was the thing. He continued everything that God would set before him. He would say yes. He would say yes. Tommy and Chrissy, they're saying yes. God's putting something on them and they're saying yes. Rather than looking around going, why isn't anybody else doing this? They're just doing it. They're saying yes. And when we say yes, we begin to see the hand of God in our own lives. Uh, First Chronicles 29, 12. I know it says up there, uh, Second Chronicles, uh, wealth and honor come from you alone. You rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion, people are made great 
and given strength. If we really believe this, then we're not going to be envious and we're not going to be jealous. Are you guys ready to take a test? Pop quiz. Ready? We're going to take a test today. It's called the envy test. Okay? Are you envious? Are you an envious person? Here's how you can tell. Number one, can you rejoice in what someone else has? Do you, do you really rejoice? Can you really celebrate when at work you've been there for 15, 20 years and someone gets promoted in front of you? Can you really celebrate if someone else gets a nicer house than you? Or can you celebrate when someone else's kids are more obedient than yours? <laughs> How about this? Can you rejoice in what you have? Or are you so busy comparing with other people that you forget to give thanks for everything God has given you? You know, our society, our culture is actually geared, everything is geared toward causing us to be discontent. All commercials, every ad that you see, it's all designed specifically to make you feel discontented with your life. You know, the the pictures of the people... Um, sitting around drinking Bud Light or something, and they're just, oh my gosh, those people are so happy, right? You see their faces, right? On the ads, they're just like, it's like, seriously, you're drinking Bud Light. I'm sorry, you can't be that happy. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like everything is, is geared to make us feel like, oh, my life isn't complete. Everything. You know, and if you, if you see something else or you see something that someone else has or a blessing, you know, to say, why can't that be me? Or why can't I do that? You know, when someone else has a skill that's better than yours, you know, can you really rejoice? Or, or why can't I have that? You know, and, and this isn't just talking about finances or, or money, but the fact is, Did you know that if you make more than $33,000 a year, you are in the top 5% richest people in the world? 33 grand, you're in the top five. Think about that. We are so wealthy and we are so blessed. And God has given us so many things. And yet everything about our culture says you don't, you don't need to be happy. You shouldn't be happy because other people have more or they do things better or they have more. And so what that ends up causing is a rift in relationships with other people when we give in to that, like Saul did. Saul totally gave in to that, the jealousy and the fear and the insecurity. So the second reason I think people betray, first of all, jealousy and envy. The second reason I think is offense or misunderstanding. There's a quote that I read. Sometimes the person you'd take the bullet for ends up being the one behind the gun. Do you remember the story of uh, Julius Caesar? Now, historically, uh, there's a saying that comes out of, of the story of Julius Caesar, et tu brute. Have you guys heard that saying? Et tu brute? Um, it's actually taken from a Shakespearean play, but... The story is that Julius Caesar, who was the ruler of his nation, he raises this guy up and he becomes like his, his bestie. And when they come to, to kill Caesar as they're attacking him, he looks up and there's his best friend with a knife. 
And he looks up at him, he's like, even you, Brutus, et tu, Brute? I mean, these guys were, were close. They were like business partners, comrades. And sometimes we are betrayed by the people that we least expect to betray us. You know, as I referenced earlier, going through that season of betrayal was so painful. I'm an, I'm an extremely relational person. So, you know, I, I personally, I just think there are three kinds of trials. I think there's financial trials, health trials, and relational trials. And the enemy knows which one of them is going to get to us. For me, it's the relational stuff. I, that messes me up. I'm very relational. And so to be just shunned by people and betrayed was just deeply wounding. But this passage became like my daily bread. And it's Psalm 41.9. And it says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And, you know, when it talks about bread, that's talking about an intimacy. You know how it is when you sit down and eat with, with people? There's a different dynamic there. I was talking to a young man yesterday, and he was telling me that he works alongside his boss. He said, but it was super awkward because Friday afternoon they went to lunch together, and he goes, it was a completely different dynamic. You know, it's different to work alongside someone and then to sit down across the table. You know how there's that dynamic? And that's why I'm very happy to announce that we're going to start to serve food here again. Woo! Anybody else happy? Any food eaters? Oh. Um, because I really believe there is something very spiritual about eating with people. There's something, there's a dynamic there. And this is talking about, this is, this is my close friend. We, we shared meals together. Like we hung out. We had fellowship with each other. And it says, he has lifted his heel against me. And this, David wrote this. And it just, for some reason, it's kind of like, I guess, misery loves company. But it's just like, that's exactly how I felt at the time, but knowing that David continued to, to look to the Lord for his kudos, right? He continued to look to the Lord for his affirmation. And that's the thing. That's all we have. That's all the only hope that we have. So another reason I think people betray others, jealousy and envy, misunderstanding or offense. I think there are spiritual dynamics you know, Jesus talked to us about the sheep and the goats. Sheep and goats, in a lot of ways, are very similar. But goats are nasty. They have, they have a really bad disposition, and they're really rebellious, and they're, you can't really break them, and they can be really mean. But they look a lot like sheep. They actually sound a lot like them, too. You know? <laughs> Was that a sheep or a goat? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> But, you know, there are sheep and goats. There are actually people that go into churches specifically to, to bring division, to, specifically to bring chaos. And we've talked about this quite a bit in the last month or so. There are spirits of division. You cannot deny there are spirits of division that go into churches and try to destroy them. And sometimes those spirits are successful. 
But that's why we have to recognize there is a spiritual realm that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're spiritual. And we have got to take a stand against the schemes of the devil. And if you're sensing a spirit of of division, what the spirit of division will do, it'll cause you to feel that insecurity and that fear and that paranoia that Saul had. It'll also cause there to be confusion and I, I specifically want to address marriages at this point. If, you, if you're starting to notice like there's just this contention in your marriage, like you just can't seem to get on the same page, it's just always angst, pray against a spirit of division. Don't underestimate a divisive spirit that wants to come in and separate you because the two shall become one, but the enemy's plan is to divide and conquer, really. Romans sixteen seventeen says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. If, if there's someone and they're just always kvetching about everything or they're just always complaining or they're planting little seeds in your mind causing you to be suspicious of other people, that's a spirit of division. I mean, it's also an act of the flesh because, you know, um, I was just up at the young adults retreat yesterday and um, last night we were talking about the the acts of the sinful nature, our division, factions, dissension. I mean, that's, that's something of our flesh, but there are spirits that will come in and try to motivate you to be paranoid or to assume the worst in someone. You know, I, I like to say I'm a glass half full kind of a person. I, I like to expect the best in people. And, and as evidenced by this story about Saul, clearly Saul had negative motives. He had, he had a skewed view. He was not operating out of pure intentions or pure motivations. But I think for us, unless you're proven wrong, the best course of action with other people is to expect the best. To assume the best. To assume they don't want to hurt you. You know, how many times have, have, has somebody said something to you and you get like your hackles up and you're like really offended and like, how dare they? And then you realize, oh, they meant something completely different, right? Anybody else? Miscommunication, misunderstandings. You know, that's another plan that the evil one has, a spirit of confusion to come in and confuse what the other person is saying so that you're missing each other. I'm talking with my hands a lot, you notice that? Like I could be making bread. Um, There's something that I hear a lot, and I just want to address it. Um, I hear this term a lot, and it's church hurt. Anybody else heard the term church hurt? So so just to dispel any, any notions that any church or human relationship you're going to have, you're going to probably have some hurt. But the distinction is that the church is specifically designed for us to come together in covenant, in relationship to worship the Lord. So of course, people are going to hurt you when you're getting close, when the whole basis, the whole foundation of an organization is for people to come together in relationship, which is what church is supposed to be. Can I just say that? Church is not this thing you have to check off your to-do list. Oh, I have to go to church. No, the Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. 
That's what the Bible says, that we, that we want to be with our people. Because the, the reality of it is, there's a lot of really solid, knowledgeable, awesome Bible teachers out there that if, if your whole purpose, if you think you're coming to church to get fed, you can get fed from your laptop. You, you know, there's lots of good Bible teachers. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite Bible teachers on the radio is Alan Wright, and there's a group of people from his church. Shout out, woo, Ronaldo Church. <laughs> you know, but the, but the thing is, church is about covenant. It's about friendship. It's about being together. You don't come to church to receive. You come to church to serve and to give to other people and to lose your life and, and to and to. Let God use you with the gifts and everything he's placed within you. So if you're coming to church just to get fed, you're missing out on all of the joy of what church is supposed to be. And the reality is that when you do that, you're probably going to end up getting hurt just because that's the nature of our humanity. We hurt people. Many times it's unintentional. And now I'm not talking, I'm going to get emotional here. I'm, I'm not talking about spiritual, legitimate spiritual abuse. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about leaders who have deviant motivations. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're, if you're, involved in relationships with people whose hearts are open and yearning for the Lord and you're, you're all trying to find God together. That's what church is. We are the bride of Christ and we are so imperfect. But Jesus loves his bride and he is calling us to love his bride too, which is the church. But until we get to that point where we're perfect, we're gonna probably end up hurting each other. And so I just want to apologize on behalf of any um, spiritual leader who has hurt you in any way. And I apologize if I've hurt you in any way. But we're still called to remain in covenant together until the Lord calls us out. Don't ever leave a church because you're angry or you're offended or hurt. Just leave when the Holy Spirit calls you to leave. Okay? done with that one. (laughs) You know, I remember um, when we first moved out here, there was a young lady that uh, we had led to Christ. We had brought her to know the Lord, and um, she was going through some marital problems, and she moved in with us, and um, we just loved her, and we just poured into her. I mean, she became a part of our family. My kids loved her, um, and she lived with us. And then it ended up that her marriage fell apart. And so she was, she, I think she's one of those that would fall into the category. She felt betrayed by God because she really thought that if she became a Christian, God was going to heal her marriage. But the problem is there was another person involved who didn't want to stay married. And I remember that when she was so angry at God, she took it out on me. And... Um, I'm really not whining, I promise. I'm really not trying to have a pity party. But it just, it was one of those painful, painful moments. And she just dissed me, like just totally cut off relationship from me, completely. And I remember sitting at the corner of 300 East and 124.50 South, just sitting at that corner, just weeping before the Lord. And I remember saying, now I understand why people close their hearts up. Now I get it. Now I understand why pastors 
pull back because it hurt really badly. But I also remember the Holy Spirit just saying, I want you to make a promise to me that you're not going to close your heart to people. And I did at that moment. And I know the Bible says, don't be hasty to make a vow, but I made a promise. I said, Lord, I am going to love people without reservation. And I've faltered on that throughout the years. Like I said, when I went through that season of deep pain, I shrunk back and I closed my heart up and I, and I wasn't open. I didn't love people openly. But guys, I'm, I'm in a season now where I just, I'm committed to loving people, loving God and loving people. And that's what I believe the Lord's calling the Adventure Church to do too, to love people without reservation, even if they've hurt us. You know, you know what, what happens is when someone hurts us, what we do is we rehearse that in our mind over and over. You know, I have a degree in music and, and I used to study piano for several years and I would sit and, and rehearse, do these scales, exercises, you know, just over and over for hours and hours and hours, scales, exercises, different, different things. Because what happens is that builds the muscle memory in your fingers so that when you go to do it, it just comes naturally. The same thing happens with us psychologically when we are offended and we just rehearse it over and over and over in our mind. We remember what they did. And doesn't it always tend to get worse as we rehearse it, as that rut goes deeper and deeper? And what we end up having to do is is to demonize that person to justify our unforgiveness and and to think that they are so terrible that I have to protect myself from them when the Lord's saying no. Love them, forgive them. And I'm not saying if you're in an abusive situation or, or you're, you're in danger, I'm not saying go back. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if this is an issue in your own heart, you've been offended or you've been hurt, open your heart it's so much easier to just open up and forgive rather than having to try to remember all the details of everything they did wrong. <laughs> just takes up too much brain space. Jesus warned us in Matthew twenty four ten, where he says, then many of them will fall away. He's talking about the church or stumble and they will betray one another and hate one another. Ugh. That's not the kind of thing we want to read, do we? We want to read about a worldwide revival, right? Where everybody's going to come to Christ. But Jesus says it's going to get rough. They're going to hate each other. Even the very elect will be deceived. It says the love of most will grow cold. Jesus is preparing us and he's calling us to love without reservation, to be so filled with him, so filled with his love and his Holy Spirit that we can forgive, that we can love, that we can release people and not sit and rehearse that offense, but to, to let it go. That's what he's calling us to. And next week we're going to talk about some of the effects of betrayal, what, what ends up happening in our souls and in our hearts and in our actions, and we're going to move toward how to become healed and how to become whole, even having gone through those things. Because I can tell you, you can. You can be healed and you can be whole, whether it's a violation by a spiritual figure or your spouse or a friend or family member or business partner or whatever it is. God has healing for us and he has hope for us. And that's what he's calling us to. 
So um, we're going to take communion now. Um, And the reason that I think communion goes really well with this is because, you know, communion is just, Jesus just wants us to remember him. And, And he says that. He goes, every time you do this, can you remember me? And not just like, hey, shout out to Jesus. It's not that. It's like, remember him and his way of thinking and of operating toward others. Because think about this. The very God who created us had his own creation turn against him when they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. When the God who became human, became flesh, and lived a perfect, sinless life. Thanks, Katie. When he went to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins so that we could be reconciled with a perfect and holy God, when Jesus was able to overlook that, when he was able to say, Father, forgive them. You know, it's like last night at the young adults retreat, we were saying, you know, if anyone could have looked down on people and judged people and just rejected people, it would have been Jesus. Think about what he went through. Think about Judas. Think about Peter. Think about his own creation. They just shunned him. And yet, he continued to pour out his blood. He continued to allow his body to be broken. It says that the punishment that brought him peace, or that brought us peace, was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So with that, can we take this bread and remember that Jesus paid the the penalty, that his body was broken so that we could be reconciled. Thank you, Lord. And can we take this little cup of juice representing the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins? You know, on the judgment day, and there is going to be a judgment day, whether we believe it or not, And we are going to stand before a holy God. And he's going to say, why do you deserve to go to heaven? There are only one of two answers. Either I lived a perfect, sinless life. Or I relied on what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. I put my faith and my hope in him. And I received the forgiveness. And therefore, I can go to heaven and dwell forever with the Lord. And that blood that poured out from Jesus, it says, was for the forgiveness of sins. It says in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, it says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so with that, we drink this little cup symbolizing the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Can you stand, please? Can you just hold your hands out like this? Well, Father, we come into your presence, Lord. Open hands, open hearts, Lord. Open minds. And and Lord, we know um, God, betrayal is unfortunately a part of our human condition. And so right now, Lord, we do open ourselves up to forgiving others in the same way we have been forgiven. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us about who that person or those people are that we need to forgive. Even if, if it's the person that we married or the, the person or persons that we birthed or that gave us birth, Lord, um, or our dear friends who've hurt or betrayed us, Lord, business partners, authority figures, teachers, spiritual leaders. Lord, we just, um, we just want to offer up that forgiveness for them, Lord. We ask that you would continue to remind us throughout the week, Lord, and that we would choose to forgive and choose to give it up, Lord, even in the midst of our pain, knowing, Lord, that you are the healer, that you are the one who will come in and heal us and deliver us and set us free. And so we surrender to you, Lord. We give our hearts to you. Heal our brokenness, Lord. And forgive us if we have been the betrayers. Lord, if we know, if there are those people that we realize that we have hurt them, we have broken them, we've rejected them, we've shunned them and written them off. Lord, if there are those people that we need to reconcile with, I pray that your spirit would would really guide us. Lord, your spirit would really go before us and make room for reconciliation. Lord, and that we would be able to defeat those spirits, the spirit of division and offense. We bless you, Lord. We love you. We thank you that there is hope in you. And we look to you all day long, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.